I'm John. I'm Rob. And this is Wax Lyrical. Where we talk all things NFTs on the Wax blockchain. So Rob, what is the future of NFTs? It's a really exciting and deep question, but with few firm answers. So let's take a look. So NFTs, Colin's word of the year, and there's still a lot of people wrapping their heads around the, the prospect of what they are and how they're going to be of use to them in the future, Rob. Mm, that's true. I mean, at the moment, I think probably the population at large thinks that it's mainly art, which is a huge part of NFTs. But the technology that underpins it obviously has many, many applications that we're going to going to start to see. Yeah. I mean, when you say art, you really mean JPEGs, which yeah, is right what click, the majority Right click save JPEGs, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's what an NFT is, right? Exactly that. Exactly that. But we're going to be able to right click and save things like houses soon. So, <laughs> well, you know, house theft is going to go like through the roof. <laughs> well, speaking of um, houses, I think before we should get into sort of any in-depth discussion of what the, the future use cases for NFTs could be, we should probably just define what an NFT is for those of you that are unfamiliar. I would have thought sure. if you listened to this podcast, you would uh, at least have a sort of a, let's say, a ground idea of what an NFT is. But uh, for the sake of those that aren't, uh, NFT stands for non-fungible token. So it's a digital token uh, which can be attributed to any piece of digital content, let's say, whether that be music, whether that be an image, uh, maybe you can attach it to a physical asset as well, like a car or a figurine or, as Rob just alluded to there, a house. And of course, these tokens can be traded on online marketplaces and it's all ratified, so to speak, by the blockchain, which is basically a, a massive ledger that everybody has access to. So everybody can verify that um, all the transactions uh, are legitimate. Yeah, the most important thing to remember with NFTs uh, is the digital ownership side, which is difficult. Uh, it's difficult to understand, but the the benefit of this is that it's in a decentralized database, the ledger, which no person can edit or interact with. So no single person can affect that data by you know just logging into the database as we've you know we've seen with other <laughs> fake blockchains of used Excel spreadsheets. That's not possible. You can't just jump in a in a spreadsheet and change anything these things are it's publicly available and it's decentralized which means and i imagine i'll use this word a lot today it's trustless so there's no element of um the fallibility of you know human control with uh trust and greed and and all that so nfts have uh, a singular quality that we've never seen before which is digital ownership but when people think, I imagine at least, the population at large sees uh, digital ownership of NFTs as just art pieces. But obviously, art NFTs aren't the only NFTs. And the technology that underpins NFTs, blockchain, has a number of ways it can be useful to us in all walks of life, in all applications. And mm -hmm. we're starting to see people look into that now and really we're just trying to guess what can be affected and what can be improved because digital ownership has improved digital life and it will continue to do so because that's something yeah. we haven't had access to but blockchain technology can apply that elsewhere uh, and one of the areas we're really seeing a movement towards is tickets so you know tickets for concerts and uh, events and things where there's been you know a lot of problems with fakes and so on um yeah i mean if we 
look at some of the most common problems with tickets at the moment. You've got ticket scalpers. So yeah, big problem. Um, and, and that's uh, I mean, for those of you that don't know what ticket scalpers are, they are uh, the act of reselling tickets for admission to events. So these are people that will uh, buy one, two, or you know, in some cases as many tickets as they can get a hold of, mm. uh, and then wait until let's say the day of the event when people are really desperate to get last minute tickets and then sell them for, you know, three, four, five times the price that they bought for just as a yeah. way to make some money. Um, and one way that the blockchain could assist with that is let's say it's Ticketmaster selling these tickets. They'll be able to track the transactions, of course. So let's say the, these tickets are only valid if they've come from Ticketmaster themselves. Ergo, resold tickets wouldn't be admissible for whatever event or you know uh, thing that they're being used for yeah so uh, you can make nfts non-transferable so mm-hmm. you can get past the problem of scalpers buying as many tickets as they can on i mean i i'm not going to name any names but a family friend of ours or rather a friend's family uh has a guy in it who basically makes a living off scalping to this day And when major concerts come up, I don't agree with this at all, by the way, but (laughs) I'm not, you know, that's another point. I'm not going to cause family drama within my own family. Uh, (laughs) There's a a system he's got where he he has multiple computers and devices, and I'm talking a lot, like it's it's like a space station in there. And then he logs in as soon as tickets go live and he buys them on as many accounts as he possibly can to then resell them. And this is awful for the industry. It's awful for fans. No one, no one wins other than the scalper out of this. So yeah. one way we could overcome that is by having um, the ticket be an NFT. You can make it non-transferable. So they're unable to resell it. But then obviously this does come with the problems of, um, you know, what if you can't go to the event and you want to give it to a friend or, or something like the genuine uses of, mm. of trading uh, these these tickets so i'm not really sure how they'd approach that but that seems like a lesser problem than scalping yeah and i'm sure for for situations such as that i mean let's say a company such as Ticketmaster would sell two types of tickets that might do a sort of a non-transferable nft uh, but then sort of a limited number of ones that are transferable but maybe only give them to i don't know Ticketmaster members or you know the fan clubs of particular bands for example uh, yeah. So you could kind of try and deal with that a bit. Uh, but the wider problem of ticket scalping would all but disappear uh, with the uh, adoption of NFT technology. So scalping is actually a much bigger problem than I realised. I looked into it uh, when researching for this podcast and I found that in the last few years, there's an estimated 152 billion dollars in scout Jesus. tickets that moves every year yeah it's absolutely crazy i had no idea it was that big and still that's not the only problem uh these ticket ticket companies and the you know the venues selling the tickets it's not the only problem they have it's really only half because they also have the problem of fake tickets and counterfeit tickets and that's where nfts is you know a, a brilliant blockchain is a brilliant solution to sort of anti-fraud and certificates of authenticity yeah so if we go back to the Ticketmaster example uh, the only valid tickets will be ones issued by Ticketmaster themselves you know so a scammer in this instance couldn't you know create an nft pretending to be Ticketmaster and mm. somehow mint a, a legitimate ticket that sort of eliminates that possibility so again that um that protects the the end consumer you know the people who want to go to these concerts or events 
Um, but once, um, let's say you've got your got your ticket and you go to the event, and uh, a lot of people tend to keep you know their tickets up some things as you know mementos. Mm. Um, but then if you do want to keep your, your ticket stubs um, you've one got to find a safe place to put them and then two remember where they are and, and keep good care of them yeah and again that's um, that's something that nfts solve so if you have a um, you'll have a digital ticket stub in that case you know you've got the nft ticket uh, and then once you've you know attended the event you can hold on to that in your digital wallet and that'll exist for as long as that blockchain or as long as that digital wallet exists or feasibly as long as the internet exists yeah that's not that's not something i've thought of i I hadn't considered that for a second um i mean it makes perfect sense with nft collectibles being so popular that you would you know collect your ticket but you, you kind of touched on something there that um i've thought of a few times and i hadn't actually written this down um in my notes but i want to bring it up i think there's one interesting thing that concerts could do as well is location nfts have you seen these i haven't no so i mean it's it's not new technology in any way it's just using nfts uh, you know the way they they currently are but um i think it was a gallery in the us did an art show and they had uh, a way that when you're at this physical location you can scan a qr code which mints an nft okay. and it was something like the first 100 people to scan that code would mint the NFT. Interesting. So I think this is a really interesting thing you could do with uh, certain events and, and shows. You could have people, uh, attendees could scan QR codes and get you know these NFTs to, to prove they were there or special NFTs. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it also incentivizes people to, to go to certain places with you know events when perhaps COVID leaves us for good you might be able to go to an event and anyone that attended the event can scan it and get a custom nft so it's kind of an extension of the the ticket stub yeah that'd be an interesting form of social proof um, Mm. for for events because because at the moment you know if you go to a concert every single person their dog is holding their phone yeah (laughs) Um, you know it's like oh look i'm here at this concert or they're on you know they're uploading their snapchat stories or whatever the case may be if we had an nft that sort of um Again, it's another sort of verifiable way of saying, hey, I was at this event. This NFT proves it, um, you know, in ways that, I mean, even if you did go on to sell that NFT, you could say, hey, you could look at the at the ledger and say, I was the first person to get this, you know, this, I, I went to this event. I think there's some interesting things that could be done around um, the, that sort of proof aspect um, with NFTs in future, you know, whether it be that you... I don't know, if you're a band, you might reward a fan that goes to X amount of your shows or, you know, or, yeah, I think there's um, there's a few things that could be done. Actually, I, th- I think you've touched on something that could be even bigger there with, uh, in terms of the marketing power of having location NFTs. So as you say, small bands, the hardest thing for them is to get people to their shows. Like mm-hmm. I've had friends with new bands and they have to hustle to get people to attend, like just to fill the room out. Um bands of all sizes and all events they can use this to lure i didn't want to use the word lure but i can't think of anything <laughs> better they can lure you there with the with the nfts because you're getting a reward i mean this um i'll have to find it and put it in the show notes but the company that that did the uh, location nfts they sold for i mean i think the floor price the floor price last time i looked for those nfts on that location nft thing was like 1.5 ETH. So 
people the incentive it could be massive you know if you go to one of these shows and then they give you an nft that ends up you know getting a bit of hype behind it mm-hmm. it's just more incentive and i think the it makes marketing uh, more interesting when it comes to live shows and things because obviously live shows have, have certainly suffered in the last few years yeah for sure and uh, something that could be seen as a sort of a let's call it a side chain <laughs> to tickets mm. would be um, using NFTs as as loyalty systems yeah um, I, I mean I've been in a conversation today about um, there's this obviously I can't name names but a fairly large organisation that's looking to uh, reward their members with NFTs Right. And it was, that's, you know, an organization trying to reward its employees. And I think that's one, that's one aspect to it. You know, it could be, uh, you know, a musician uh, giving exclusive NFTs to people that have gone to, I don't know, five shows, 10 shows, whatever it mm, may be. Yeah. Or, you know, using NFTs as a way to redeem merch or, you know, there's, I, th- I feel in the, in the area of loyalty, no matter whether you're a sports team, a band, an artist, a musician, whatever it is, you could, mold nfts um to whatever way you see fit in a way to reward the people that most care about you yeah so i think that's a that's a big part going forward um with nfts and i think it's interesting that you can what you can do with smart contracts with that sort of thing so it wouldn't be difficult to be able to check if somebody has x number of nfts from a certain series and Mm. if they do reward them um metropolis origins kind of did this with uh if you had a certain number of their nfts by a certain snapshot date they sent you another nft like i I got one of them um i didn't Mm -hmm. enter anything i didn't do anything extra they just took a snapshot of all the accounts that had played the game with x number of nfts of theirs and then they rewarded them with a with another nft so i think rewarding loyalty is uh certainly something that nfts can cater for and i think we'll see more of it and this kind of brings us on to we keep talking about musicians and this really is i think one of the most exciting areas uh for nfts is how much uh they stand to gain from um, musicians so I, i think it's a it's a symbiotic relationship between musicians and blockchain technology and we've seen we've already seen a massive massive shift uh in that industry with the purchases of physical music and digital downloads even have just been decimated by streaming. Yeah. Um, not nobody. I mean, I haven't bought a physical CD or album for, I don't know. I don't know how long, well over a decade, um, mm. maybe, maybe more than that. Um, I mean, there are still people that buy, you know, vinyls and stuff because they're either hipsters or just so much cooler than me that I call them hipsters. I'll have to um, put my hand up to that one. <laughs> Oh, I, I did wonder if, <laughs> if you were one of them. You, do, you, you seem the type. So yeah, you, you're oh, obviously much cooler than me and you'll buy vinyls. But the, these are real niche. Okay? Like, there's no band that's going to you know make a living off of no. uh, the rare breed that is John. So <laughs> they have to make their money from, from whatever ways they can. And, and there's been live shows, which has obviously been heavily impacted by COVID. So the only mm. other way is streaming. And streaming mm-hmm. is infamous for not paying the artists particularly well yeah they uh, i actually did a little bit of research on this in 2020 uh if you had a song on spotify you would need brace yourself for this this is ridiculous <laughs> okay. you would need 3114 plays 
to earn one hour of minimum wage in the UK. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Okay. So, and this is this is without um, labels and distributors and Spotify. Yeah. You know, they can increase the, their cut. I mean, I, I heard mm. recently how much Eminem makes a week and he makes millions, but then yep. he's also been one of the top artists on Spotify f- since its inception, you know? So mm. for most people, which is, this is how it's kind of revolu- revolutionized art. NFTs have revolutionized art by allowing more people to make a living off of what they do. And if you try and make a living off Spotify, you need 100,000 plus listens per per month i imagine to make anything that you could live off of so it's absolutely brutal and this is where nfts can obviously come in and help yeah i mean i think for the last course it would have been since the rise of the record labels you know 50 Mm. 60 years ago i think the artists themselves have seen themselves getting a a lesser and lesser cut of what they produce and you know streaming has only exacerbated that like you said you know that people get paid uh, virtually nothing per stream anyway and then of course you know, the platform takes their cut, the record label takes their cut, distributors take their cut. And I think NFTs offer a way for the band themselves uh, to connect directly with their fans and give them sort of direct access to, I don't know, behind the scenes footage. It's just a way for them to connect directly to, um, as I said earlier, you know, the, the fans that um, that care about them the most. Yeah, definitely. And I think there's another benefit with the NFTs in that you can have secondary markets Mm. in which the royalties are baked in. So if you released an album, say a limited press, (laughs) to use old terminology, of an album uh, as NFTs, and then every resale, the royalties are just baked in as a percentage fee that go back Mm -hmm. like on, you know, OpenSea, it's like 10% on everything that goes back to the original artist. Um, But you can can set that amount. Um, You can can set the amount on Atomic Hub, can't you? Yes, yes, you can, yeah. So you, you could release an album on Atomic Hub and someone could buy it and then maybe they get offered more money for it than they paid and they just want to flip it. Mm-hmm. And the artist is is benefiting every single time it gets flipped. So yep. I think that's one that's one big way a lot of the power goes back to the artists, which is what blockchain technology, that's the, the area it's really shone so far is the way it's empowered artists. But you can also... Um, fractionalize albums and songs mm. uh, so that the royalties are kind of owned by the fans or owned by some of the fans which yeah. I think is a really interesting route this could go almost like almost like a DAO yeah I mean imagine if it, I mean we mentioned Eminem uh, you know a couple of minutes ago let's say I know Eminem created an NFT that's like hey you get 1% of my royalties forever you can <laughs> imagine the amount of DAOs that would come together to try and buy that yeah, it's but but it's it's cool in that his fans could own a part of his brand, of yeah. him as an artist, which I, I think is great because you know how passionate uh, music fans are for the the bands and artists they like, and it also means that it's kind of like an ICO. Like if you get in early, mm. if you spot that uh, an artist is, you think, oh, they're going to be huge. Little side note for me is I went to see Adele. Um, in Barflight in Camden when I was about, oh, I don't know, 18 or 19. Okay. And she, so she was nowhere near famous, like mm. nowhere near. And I, she, she played the song Hometown Glory at this gig and 
I didn't know who she was when I went to the to the gig, but the song Hometown Glory, I was like, oh, that's amazing. I love that. And I, I downloaded it off her MySpace when I got home. <laughs> this is wow. how far this back this goes. You bring up the word generation, I swear I'll quit this podcast. Um, so <laughs> I went home and downloaded the song Hometown Glory and I was, I was sharing it around with people. I was like, oh, I swear she's got such a good voice. She's going to be huge. And then, you know, now today she's arguably the biggest artist on the planet. But mm. if that happened now and she released, I don't know, a couple of, nft albums or and and i'd bought just just something small and said i'll buy your first pressing of your album it'd be worth we've seen what first pressings of like um the bgs or the beatles Mm. uh, even more recent bands like oasis and stuff if you get anything early in these bands careers you can make a fortune off it and not that should be your intent but it still gives more power to the fans and it means people were more likely to invest in musicians and artists because it becomes more like an investment and your belief can be rewarded so i think it will move a lot more money into the pockets of musicians which you know i think i think is a a good thing and it removes the middleman who's taking the bulk of the money generated so labels distribution and so on they Mm -hmm. take such a, a huge amount of the royalties that musicians make and it kind of connects the musicians and the fans in a, a more profound way. Yeah. Uh, you touched on sort of the investment aspect of it there. And I would like to preface nothing I say here is financial advice, obviously. Um, <laughs> but I, I kind of think the rise of NFTs is going to create a new area of investing. You know, people invest in stocks or they invest in real estate or they invest in, I don't know, vinyls, if you want to take <laughs> you know, my example there. But I think we're, we're going to start to see people, you know, for that, in that instance, if you'd gotten an Adele viral, you know, that'd be seven figures now. Yeah. Um, but are, are we going to start? I mean, we kind of already are seeing people that, um, you know, want to get in on every project early. Um, yeah, we definitely, we so, definitely. So, you know, they, they want to they flip it, they want to make money. And we're, we're already starting to see, you know, uh, an investing industry build up around um, just flipping NFTs. Uh, you know, both, you know, immediately after you've bought them and, you know, holding them for two years and then selling them afterwards. So, yeah, we've we've definitely seen that, that that's the sort of investing community around NFTs is massive and possibly slightly inflated at the moment. But I do think that as an it, it just makes sense as an investment and NFTs allow you to digitally own something. So that ownership can be rewarded over time like a physical item if you own something long enough you know it could it could be it can be worth something so i think yeah. nfts in general you we've seen a lot of people trying to buy some of the earliest nfts mm. um just i mean that's part of the reason things like cryptopunks and decentraland they've both done very well because of how old they are as well as mm-hmm. you know the the quality of the project um i think i said on this podcast before I have an NFT from 2018, which has no relevance to anyone at all. And it's just made mm-hmm. by a guy I know. And people were offering like £300 for it just because of the date it was created. Mm-hmm. So I think NFTs, because of the metadata as well as the digital ownership, I do think the investment in them will continue no matter where the NFTs are, like what industry they're they're applying to. Yeah. Wait, can you imagine like... Let's say 10, 15 years from now, people are saying, oh, you've got a pre-2020 NFT. Yeah. Like, oh, my God. It's, it's like looking at relics from the past and saying, oh, you know, it's a, it's a completely new way to look at 
sort of collecting nostalgia. I mean, nostalgia is such a huge thing in, you know, pop culture today. People always want mm. to harken back to the 70s, the 80s, 90s, you know, whatever it is. And, you know, 15, 20, 30 years from now, people, I suppose, will be harkening back to the 10s and the 20s. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they will. Whether they hark back to NFTs or not remains to be seen, but I think they will. I think they will. And we touched on uh, vinyls a couple of times there and physical collectibles. And I would just like to add, I don't collect vinyls per se. I have bought a viral vinyl uh, recently. Ah, and really? I suppose that will bring us on to our next What a beautiful segue now. that was. <laughs> I'm, I'm just going to ruin it because it was so good. It was so unlike us. <laughs> <laughs> oh, one, one in a million and we'll get there. Yeah. Um, uh, for those of you who don't know, a, a viral NFT, viral stands for virtual in real life. So it's basically a, an NFT that is connected to a physical asset. Now, uh, Baby Metal, the, the metal band, have done, I think, two of these drops on Wax this year, whereby if you purchased um, an NFT pack and you unpacked it, you'd get both some digital normal NFTs and you'd also get a, a viral NFT that can be redeemed for a vinyl and that's what I have done I think the most recent one was sort of mid-September I think uh, I purchased one of these and it was due to arrive December 2021 uh, I've not yet received it so you know it might be a bit of a delay there but I think um, the idea of viral NFTs and of you know connecting a, a digital item to something physical is a huge potentially huge industry uh, you know we've seen the wax team um, explain this in terms of hey let's say for example, Nike release a viral NFT for, a, I don't know, the latest pair of Air Jordans. Um, instead of buying these Air Jordans and having them delivered to your house and then, oh, I don't want these, I'm going to sell them on and then ship them somewhere else and that person resells it and ships it somewhere else. What a viral NFT would allow you to do is to essentially have a, a, a digital way to say, hey, I own this physical item and it's kept in, I don't know, some warehouse somewhere. Um but I don't actually want these shoes physically. I'm just holding on to it as some sort of investment. And then I know I I sell this NFT on, uh, and then that person sells the NFT on until you get to someone in the chain that's like, hey, I want these shoes physically. So then they can redeem that NFT and get those shoes from that warehouse delivered to them uh, wherever they are in the world. Now that cuts out so much of the shipping or, you know, the delivery, whether it's, you know, flights or trains or boats or whatever it is, you know, mm. instead of sending a package from a place to a place to a place to a place, it just goes from the warehouse to the person who wants it and cuts out all of that irrelevant middle ground that at the end of the day just contributes to, you know, global warming and all of that bad stuff that everybody's all, the polar bears. Know, all up in arms about. With it. Yeah, the polar bears and the ice caps and everything else that's depreciating. Yeah, Um I do want to just mention that I'm a massive animal lover and I do care about the polar bears. Uh, <laughs> I don't want the polar bears to melt and the, the ice caps to die. So I just thought I'd uh, put that in as a, as a quick aside because I keep making light of that, but it's only because wax is carbon neutral. So yeah, I've just yeah. got kind of bored of the debate because it's not accurate. So yeah, on this topic, uh, wax has just had uh, Amazon invest in Dibs Collectibles, which is using viral um, and I think this is one of the best use cases of viral in that uh, Dibs has uh, a lot of sports collectible cards and trading cards and particularly very, very expensive ones. And they're fractionalized. So people can buy um, a 
portion of a physical card. They can own a certain percentage of that card. And then mm-hmm. once you have uh, bought out 100% of that card, if you were to, then you do have the option of redeeming it. And it was interesting because one of the, when um, the co-founder of Token Gamer, Dave, when he said to me about viral for the first time, uh, like a year or two ago, uh, I said, how does, who looks after the physical item? That's, that's obviously a, a major issue. And the more expensive the item you've got, the more worrying that is. Like, where is it kept? Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's already companies um, that can take uh, physical custody of the item until you redeem it. And it's kept in vault level security. I mean, Dibs goes through a whole thing on on how it's it, how secure their, their vaults are that, with the company they use to keep the cards. Um, yeah. But then as soon as you've got 100%, you can either leave it in the vault or you can redeem it and have it sent to you. And I think with collectibles, physical collectibles, and anything you're seeing as a sort of investment, so I think you'll see this with things like watches as well, um, I think it's a, it's a brilliant idea that you can leave it in someone else's physical custody but have provable ownership. That's that's an amazing concept. Yeah, absolutely. And as I said, it cuts down on so much of the unnecessary shipping of an item from place to place to place. Mm. And in particular, you know, if... if let's say you do buy a viral NFT and you're not actually sure whether you do want the physical item or not. Having that peace of mind that it's in a safe location and that, you know, there's companies out there that cater for that is, um, you know, it just gives you that peace of mind. And, yeah. you know, you don't you don't have to worry about keeping this pristine cardboard box in some, you know, damp-proof, dust-proof, correct yeah. temperature area that, you know, 95% of people don't have access to. Um we touched on watches there, and it's something I have mentioned in a previous episode. Um, Kevin O'Leary, the um, American businessman that's one of the sharks on US Shark Tank, has commented in the past on how uh, NFTs can be used for watches. You know, let's say, and I've said before, if Rolex releases a Submariner, they could release an NFT to go alongside it to be used as basically proof that that is a legitimate Rolex. Yeah. But again... Viral NFTs make a lot of sense in, in from Rolex's point of view as well. I don't think Rolex would be the kind of brand to you know sell viral NFTs of um, let's say a Submariner and then keep a hold of it themselves. So, for instance, you could have a company that buys the the latest luxury watch uh, and then keeps a hold of it in you know a vault or some sort of safe storage area, and then mints viral nfts of those watches and sells them on so you know they they could physically keep a hold of the watch but sell the rights of the ownership to that watch to somebody else and then if that person wants to sell it on they can do if they want to redeem it they can do you know it gives it gives the end purchaser uh, control over that asset whether they want to sell it on whether they want to keep hold of it it gives them all the control. And again, this ties back to the whole point of NFTs. What NFTs do is give the holder of those NFTs control, you know, whether it's control over a physical item or a statement of their adoration for a band or, you know, a a certain percentage of the royalties for something. You know, it just takes the power from, you know, these these middlemen, so to speak, we've had for, for years and years and puts it back into the hands of collectors. Yeah, so the watch industry is an interesting one, particularly to me. As you know, I've worked in the watch industry for um, six six or seven years. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
there's a real feeling at the moment. There's there's a couple of problems in the watch industry that blockchain can help with. And uh, one of those is there's a real feeling among the more senior people that uh, the, the secondary market for watches is starting to outgrow the primary market. Yeah. If you look at Rolex sales, it's utterly ridiculous. I was in department stores in London that have always stocked Rolexes uh, recently mm-hmm. and they had no Rolexes because people are buying them out of Hatton Garden in London and then reselling them for more. It's kind of like yep. scalping. <laughs> so mm-hmm. that, that's been happening for as long as I can remember and it's getting worse and worse. So um, people are buying these a lot, a lot of the Rolexes that are being bought are not necessarily for resale as well. They're sometimes just to be held onto because yep. almost nothing appreciates like a Rolex. Mm-hmm. So viral makes great sense for that sort of thing. A lot of these people buying these watches aren't looking to wear them. They're looking to keep them uh, as mm-hmm. an investment, you know, diversifying your investment into physical objects. And then the second half of the uh, issues that it will solve is certificates of authenticity by attaching an nft to these watches you can prove that that watch is real and this is massive in the watch industry i don't know how much you know know about this but there's uh they're basically creating fakes in china that are so good they're almost indistinguishable to experts there's Mm -hmm. almost no nuance left that the chinese factories can't replicate because a lot of the chinese factories make um, the parts for these watches anyway yeah not necessarily with rolex but uh, a lot of brands out there a lot of brands are having manufacturing moved out there so fakes are getting that you know they're not like those dodgy ones at a market in spain that are you know got a, a awful 20 dollar movement in the back they're now you know very advanced uh replicas that's what they're, they're more replicas than fakes mm. which creates a problem for the the watch industry and it creates a problem for anyone who creates something that could be replicated because they need to prove the authenticity of their product and um that's you know that's where certificates of authenticity nfts could be incredibly useful but that's not remotely limited to watches uh in fact i don't know if i've mentioned this in the podcast before but Earlier this year, I was talking to some uh, someone who's an artist in the NFT space, and a friend of his is creating a business that uses NFTs as certificate for authenticity for wines. Which okay, I, I had I'm not a big wine guy. I had no idea that uh, wines were being faked, but they are the most expensive wines. They're basically pouring them out, pouring something similar in that's much cheaper, recorking and then selling it as the you know the really expensive aged wine. And so there hasn't been a, a clever and simple solution to that until blockchain. So um, there's companies forming right now that are creating these certificates of authenticity as sort of anti-fraud measures with things okay. like wines. So it, it's even reaching wines, which is kind of crazy to me. I think NFTs are, I mean, you know, we've talked about watches, we've talked about, you know, wines, which I, I had no idea about. But I guess, you know, in when you think about it, it kind of makes sense. I think we're going to see NFTs go into all of these sort of high value areas. Uh, that brings me on to real estate. Now, real estate is, it's been seen as one of those, you know, classic investment areas for donkeys and donkeys and donkeys. You know, if you've got land or if you've got property, then you can make earnings on that. But let's say you are, let's say I'm here in the UK and I want to buy land in the US. That's not very easy. And this is where 
in particular, the digital aspect of NFTs can really help. You know, I don't need to physically fly over to the US and sit down with a solicitor and go through paperwork and all of this malarkey. If I can go onto a digital marketplace and somebody's minted an NFT for a, you know, a 1600 foot square of land in the middle of Montana, and I can purchase that. And, you know, that might be, of course, it's going to be, you know, a bit more regulation and et cetera around it. But, you know, we're getting to the point where any physical commodity can be uh, digitized through an NFT. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, I've heard of um, house deeds becoming NFTs, which makes mm. uh, makes life a lot easier. I also I saw that there is already a company that sells houses as NFTs. Um, right. They they I think earlier this year someone sold one for like ninety thousand dollars worth of Ethereum. Mm. Um, so it, I mean, it's already happening that and. I, I don't, I'm, you know, I'm not particularly au fait with the house buying process other than, you know, I've bought one, but I don't, <laughs> I don't know, I don't know that much about it. Uh, but I think with the deed side and, you know, proof of ownership and I think smart contracts can automate a lot of the, the more difficult aspects of fees. And I think that could probably touch on renting as well. Yeah. Um, you could have like uh, deposits could be retained in smart contracts and the amount you pay could be written into smart contracts. I think it could it could certainly revolutionize the area and I know there's a lot of people that think it will. So one area that I think NFTs could be uh, applicable to real estate uh, is in terms of DAOs. Now, I just right. mentioned the fact that, you know, if I'm here in the UK and I want to buy some land in the US, it's going to be pretty difficult for me. Um, whereas if that land or that property in the US was an NFT, then, for example, I could create a DAO in the UK, you know, with nine or ten interested people. We could all pitch in mm. to purchase, you know, a property or a piece of land in the US. And, you know, that could be governed by a, a smart contract. And that, again, opens new routes to investment. It opens new avenues. And that could allow more everyday people to get into property investing. So, yeah, I mean, it adds a lot of value to property ownership and there's a lot more that can be done with it. But it does raise a couple of questions as well, I think, with uh, like we keep talking about Constitution DAO. Um, people were concerned about what would happen if Constitution DAO actually won that copy of the Constitution, um, because although in theory the ownership is split perfectly, blah, 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 they weren't sure how it would be transported or cared for um, mm. because there's no one owner. And I think the same issue could arise for partial property ownership. Um, we have in the UK a sometimes ludicrous law about squatters rights where somebody who doesn't own the property or pay any rent has moved in and refuses to leave and it has to go through the courts and it's all very messy. Um, mm. I can imagine a lot of situations with this where someone's like, oh, I own one one hundredth of this property. I'm not leaving. Um, so, uh -huh. you know, there's a lot of um, real world physical implications that need to be ironed out. But generally, I think it adds a lot of utility to property ownership. Um, this sort of fractionalized nature of NFTs there's a lot going on there and I've seen people weigh in. For example, one area I hadn't thought of is company dividends and shares. So uh, company directors and partial owners can receive dividends by a smart contract. So everything becomes automated and on a public ledger, which um, again, yeah. 
is trustless and uh, would probably save a lot of a lot of arguments. But then you know it does give a sort of um, transparency that I know a lot of companies may shy away from. Mm. Yeah, I think the the premise of giving uh, giving dividends out as NFTs is a is a strong one. Um, that uh, perhaps that could tie into. I'm not sure how much of this we've seen already, but the, the idea of shares of companies being NFTs in and of themselves. Mm, yeah. Um, because that would. I mean, of course, uh, stocks and shares are traded on uh, many reputable marketplaces and stock ex- exchanges at the moment. But I think being able to NFTize um, those shares could sort of open the door to you know a whole new a whole new set of marketplaces and ways that those can be traded. And then, of course, as you said, you know, a verifiable way to track who has owned what share for what amount of time. Yeah, I think that that's a, a really interesting thing is you could you could stamp out a lot of insider trading straight away because yeah. because of digital provenance, the history assigned to every NFT, you'd be able to see if someone's ever owned it. So everything would become more transparent um, and therefore it'd be more difficult to dupe the system Mm. Uh, whether we you know we're going to struggle with the same problems every area is struggling with when it comes to nfts which is regulation yeah um so i think we're probably some way off of that but you know we called this episode what nfts will do in the future we didn't specify how long uh, the future is away from us and i think it it, in some areas like this i think it probably is a reasonably long way away but it does offer a pretty elegant solution. Yeah, I think in both, you know, real estate, as we were just talking about, and with stocks and shares, there's certainly ways in which blockchain technology um, can assist with provenance. And of course, I think up to this point, we've talked about real estate tickets, virals, music. There's one major area that we've not touched on yet. And that, of course, is gaming. Yes, my area, gaming. So... Uh, it's funny because digital provenance is probably one of the biggest areas for me when I, I was asked just today, funnily enough, um, what the best thing about NFTs in gaming is. And I think a lot of people will say play to earn and I get that and that that is a big part. But for me, I think digital provenance is uh, a huge part. And I'll give the example I've given you know a number of times for this question, but I think it's so important. And that is we will see esports memorabilia like you see current sports memorabilia you mm. we, we will see you know the rarest items that have been used in major tournaments will go on sale and you'll be able to prove that you've got that exact item yeah. we see we've talked about skins a few times in games and the market is absurd the amount of money people spend on on skins and particularly when the skins are rare or there's not very many of them ever going to be made uh, particularly assigned with tournaments in things like CSGO mm-hmm. um, so I mean if you can imagine the skins that the pros actually used and you can check that on the blockchain we, we can prove that that particular pro used it in that particular tournament and then it could be sold to whoever buys it and they can prove that it is real. Like it's the, the actual item that they use in that game. So I think gaming really is an area that NFTs is going to revolutionise. That's why we created Token Gamer, off the back of what blockchain technology can do to gaming. And 
we're already starting to see it, although the focus is very much on place earn at the moment. Yeah, I think when it comes to digital items being NFTs, um, other than uh, you know several indie titles being built on wax, um, you know there isn't much in that area, but it's certainly an area that's going to blow up in future. Uh, you know, mm. we saw Ubisoft um, implement NFTs in Ghost Recon Breakpoint recently, and you know I've I'm hearing conversations every day about numerous uh, game studios looking at entering the NFT space in whatever guise that may be. Yeah, um, and I think um, another to go in a, a different direction with this topic of of gaming and NFTs. Um, there is a uh, a gaming peripherals company on Wax called uh, Hater that's currently minting NFTs and selling them, but they're tied to mouse pads or mice or right. you know whatever gaming peripheral you can think of. I think that's um, again ties back to the viral point in that I think. Um, I mean, especially for gamers, you know, we're so used to using digital marketplaces and, and for the most part, it's a lot of gamers that are being the first people to adopt NFTs in the first place. I think that's mm. uh, that's an area that could be uh, especially prevalent. Um, just to, to add on a bit further to that, you know, you said about esports tournaments, you know, we just saw a couple of months ago, uh, Na'Vi won their first CSGO major. And let's say uh, Simple, their star player, if he turned the mouse that he used in that tournament into a viral NFT and then sold it, you know, a, a player of that status winning his first major tournament, you know, that that kind of NFT could raise a lot of money. As you know, yeah. that could go to the team themselves or, you know, they could do it as some sort of, hey, we're selling this for charity or, or, or whatever it may be. I, th- I just think there's so many possibilities in the gaming space when it comes to NFTs that we're only just seeing uh, sort of come to the fore. Yeah, I think you're right. And, there's there's almost too many to really list obviously yeah. one of the things people are excited about is um cross game nfts so you know you could you find an item in one game and you take it to another i think that's inevitable particularly within um the large publishers ecosystems i can imagine if you you can think of world of warcraft for example getting some rare sword and taking it over to diablo or maybe even uh, taking it to Overwatch or I, I think there'll be a lot of interplay within um, gaming ecosystems and NFTs you know enable that but then of course you've got you can't ignore the economy side most of these no. games particularly MMOs have had they've had economies themselves for a while and now we are essentially making it so you can cash out in a way and you can you can make real money and play to earn I feel at the moment, play to earn is a bit simplistic. It's all it's closer to DeFi than than games a lot of the time, yeah. where you're kind of making up this imaginary job and then getting a small amount of money for completing that imaginary job. Mm-hmm. But soon enough, you will see the rewards of um, play to earn being embedded in much bigger games, where the game experience is um, central and is the primary component of that game, rather than you know trying to make money yeah. and. I think the the excitement that will add to these games, particularly with, if you think how excited people get, myself included, when you get a really, really rare drop in a game, yeah. imagine if it, that was worth a lot of money as well. I mean, it, mm. it's, I, I can't wait to see that sort of implementation. I think it's going to happen. It will happen. And, you know, I think a lot of the economies in these play-to-earn games at the moment are very simplistic. Um, I agree with you. Um, but if you look at examples like World of Warcraft, they've had 16, 17 years to 
mold the economy of their game so that it makes um, you know it, it works as well as possible and now of course you know they kind of ruin things with wildcoin and the fact that you can just basically buy virtual currency and that's the reason a lot of people have have left um, World of Warcraft but you know that 16 17 years of experience is the sort of experience that these these new blockchains haven't had yet and I think with time as these um, games get more experienced and as we get more experienced um, traditional game developers move into the NFT space we're going to start to see more complicated uh, economies when it comes to play to earn games uh, and like you said you know let's say you you got some um, you got a rare sword drop or whatever it may be and the fact that that drops and you can sell that for real money that's going to be uh, that's going to be insane I mean you I, I'm not sure why, but the the picture that enters my mind is like a clickbaity YouTube video of you know some some eighteen year old who's got like a, a seventy thousand dollar drop in some game. Yeah, pulling just... a massive shocked face. You won't believe what <laughs> dropped for me. But that's going to become that will happen, and 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 yeah. of course there's like the you know the clickbaity haha YouTube side of it. But you know there's we're going to get to the point where game particular drops from particular games could change people's lives. Which yeah, blows it, my mind. That is crazy. When, I mean, I'm really torn about play to earn because I, I I love that it's adding a way for people to make money doing what they enjoy. Mm-hmm. There's so much. There's so much I love about it, and the future for play to earn is as bright as it could be. Um, but I think at the moment, a lot of the new games coming out are they're using play to earn as a game mechanic rather yeah. than. Um, using what I think they should be doing, which is using blockchain as uh, a way of adding value to their game. So Mm -hmm. it's improving the mechanics that are already there. And I think there's an MMO which I played some time ago called EVE Online, um, which (laughs) has the most ridiculous economy. I mean, the economy has been studied by universities um, (laughs) because it is so close to the real economy. Mm. And I think, I I just can't even imagine games like that utilizing blockchain technology it, it would be wild you you're actually creating a genuine metaverse because you have a fully fledged economy with creators and consumers and you have uh, random world events and destruction and i think it's so exciting that that, that sort of thing is going to be improved because it was i mean if you lost you see there was bbc coverage of um huge fights in eve that destroyed you know tens of thousands of dollars worth of yep. in-game ships but that was it kind of in inverted commas because you know they weren't actually worth that it was worth the in-game currency and the in-game currency isn't a token it's just you know numbers on a server a centralized mm-hmm. server whereas if the in-game currency isk was uh, a token then you're actually looking at genuine real impact can you can you imagine the devastation if someone loses a, a a big fight and they have their ship blown up and their ship was worth you know like fifty thousand dollars because it was a one-off blueprint or something like there's so much potential there and i just think all it does is flesh out the emotions that are already there in gaming and yeah. that's a, that's the area i really can't wait to see oh yeah for sure that's a, that's an incredibly exciting area to discuss and i guess something we had that we haven't discussed in the moment you know if we're talking about the future of nfts it wouldn't necessarily make sense to speak exclusively of the positives i think we should probably yeah. talk a little bit of the negatives as well and yep. uh, you know if we if we take gaming as an example you know at the moment let's say you know you let, let's take eve as an example if you 
you know, you spend all this in-game currency, you buy a ship, you go into some big war and it's destroyed. That sucks. You know, you've lost, you know, in theory, you've lost so many hours of, you know, that you've invested into this into this game. But if, you know, if you're smart about it and you haven't, like, spent thousands of thousands of pounds in this game, um, then it's not it's not a life-changing loss for you. It's just a disappointment. I, I fear that we're going to get to... Or, or what could happen is that, let's say, playing these um, high-risk play-to-earn games becomes um, some people's way of living. And that if they had, you know, a large amount of their crypto worth in you know, a ship or a high value item and then they lose that, that could have um that could have a big impact. Uh, you know, real world impact on people. Yeah. I think it also raises an ethical dilemma. Um yeah. for example, again, Eve Online, I I once please don't judge me. I'm not a horrible <laughs> person. I once uh convinced someone to come to a place that's basically unpoliced mm-hmm. uh so I could kill him. But he didn't know that. <laughs> And I lured him out there so I could kill him because I wanted to get a, uh, a kill in in the game. Mm-hmm. So I lured him out there. I killed him. He thought we were friends. I'd only just met him, by the way. I'm not a complete monster, but it was it was a pretty bad thing to do. <laughs> and he sent me an email, which I still have, like 20 years later, um, calling me everything under the sun because he was most displeased at uh, my betrayal, which, you know, he mm-hmm. should be. But then would I have done that if that had lost him, you know, $5,000? If what he'd, you know... If I'd blown up his ship that was worth $5,000, but actually worth $5,000, not just um, sort of imaginary isk dollars, mm-hmm. um, it, would, I have, would I have done that? It, there's a lot of ethical implications. And you can say, well, people have to, you know, you, you have to practice uh, fiscal responsibility, but yeah. most people don't. So no. so what, you, you, you're going to just punish people for you know, they start enjoying a game, they invest some of their money in, in that game and then they lose it. Is that gambling? There's a lot of, there's a lot of big question marks to, to answer. Yeah, there's so much regulation in an area such as that that's required that just isn't there yet. Yeah. Um, I mean, you talk about that situation where you lured someone, uh, got me to thinking about RuneScape again. And, you know, oh. back in... Back in, you know, 2007, 2008, when you'd lure people to the wilderness, which is sort of this area in the game where if you kill somebody, they drop all of the items that they're carrying and then you can loot them and take them for yourself. Right. Imagine if those items were, you know, in-game NFTs that are worth $500 a pop and you could go into a game and, you know, lure someone out there, kill them, take their five grand worth of items and then just walk off. You might not do it. I might not do it. But there's definitely some people that would. And there's people that would. There's people that would likely try and make their living out of doing things like that. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a weird one, isn't it? Because it, in many ways it does, as I said, it just improves the emotions that were already, already there. So with these high-risk games where you can, you know, drop all the things you have, that if you're dropping NFTs, I, I don't I don't know. It, it does make it more exciting. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah you know, for if sure. You're, if you've got 10,000, imagine, again, all I can think of is EVE Online right now, but, you know, it applies to RuneScape. Imagine you were trying to move something from one place to another and you knew there was a risk that you could be intercepted and lose that. The The adrenaline you're going to feel when you see someone you don't trust, it, it will be amazing. It'll be, the game mm. will be so exciting. There'll be so much incredible content. But then, 
we have to protect the vulnerable in this situation we have to protect yeah. you know children playing the game and mm-hmm. perhaps people that just are not well versed in 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 the game you, they can lose real money so i don't know there are there are a lot of ethical dilemmas but there are a lot of ethical dilemmas across blockchain and there's one mm-hmm. i'm obviously i'm writing an article for you at the moment for nft insider about interesting ways in which nfts will be applied and there was one i've thought of that i haven't seen written anywhere else yet which is uh, whistleblowing mm. and that is uh, at the moment if you want to whistleblow on a major corporation or a person you have to get it out there without it being stamped out and obviously mainstream media is often owned by people who are friends with people in power and yep. it's very easy for things to get squashed and even leaks like we, we've seen some major major leaks like panama papers and everything mm-hmm. it's actually quite hard to leak something and have it not crushed by the powers that be whereas um if you if you mint it if you if you do a leak through the blockchain and have it on a public ledger that nobody can get that back there isn't there's no way of stopping that and while that sounds unambiguously good in terms of whistleblowing that raises a number of issues with people can put anything on the blockchain and there's not really anything we can do about it and that includes leaks and illegal content yeah and that's obviously a huge issue i mean in the case of whistleblowing you know if you've got if somebody decides to whistleblow some information and that they think it's in the greater public interest and they mint it as an nft and stick it on a blockchain Mm. that's okay but what happens when it gets to the point when you know people are let's say doctoring um, you know, certain pieces of evidence or using things such as deep fakes to create fake content, minting it as yeah. an NFT and then saying, hey, look, look at this thing. It's real. I've minted it. That's yeah. uh, potentially a very difficult area. And, um, you know, a lot of this will come down to, again, I don't I don't necessarily want to talk about regulation too much, but th- there isn't regulations in place for that, for those sorts of things to occur. And that uh, currently at the moment, you know, whether it's OpenSea or Rarible or Atomic Hub, you know, a lot, when it comes to illegal content or something that might be IP infringing, um, it's sort of the responsibility of the marketplace at the moment to step yeah. in and say, hey, you shouldn't be doing this. Or they don't do anything about it. And then, you know, the legal representatives on behalf of X company get involved and say, hey, you should take this down or you're going to get into trouble. Um, but bad, yeah, it's, it gets um, messy. It gets really it, messy. It can, get, it can get real messy real quick, especially when there's no... There's no rules to say who's in the wrong in that sort of situation. Is it the marketplace's responsibility? Is it the creators of the blockchain? Is it the person who put the NFT up there? Nobody really knows at the moment. There's no there's no rules necessarily in that sort of area. No, well, this is the line you have to walk. I swear we've discussed this a few times on the podcast just because it affects every single facet of, of blockchain. And that is you have to walk the line between anonymity mm. And uh, protecting people. You know, we, we have a lot of the regulations we do have are in place to protect people from, you know, the unscrupulous and the criminals and uh, people that just want to do harm. But if you, if you put too much in place, then you're infringing on the very nature of crypto, of blockchain yeah. technology, being decentralized, being trustless, that word again, mm-hmm. not relying on, on any people like it removes the fallibility of people yeah but then if you remove that then it can be exploited in a, in a completely different way and i think deep fakes is a is an interesting 
point and I've seen that discussed a lot there was a there was an argument I read recently about um, why passports need to be NFTs because mm. people will be able to use deep fakes and CGI um, for identification purposes and things mm. so you know like uh, identity theft yeah. So uh, it's a it's a really it's a scary area as as exciting as it is it is scary there's there's a lot of stuff that could go very wrong yeah. um, but then any new technology has to go through that the internet has had that and you know yeah. it got kind of pushed to the uh, the dark web a lot of the the dodgiest stuff um, but the internet didn't hasn't suffered off the back of that there's no. you know, there's bad parts of anything and we do need to keep it sort of within context but yeah there's there's scary elements. I think ultimately, I mean, like you said with the internet, I think ultimately, you know, a lot of people are going to experiment with NFT technology and some people get it wrong, some people get it right. But I think that the premise of the technology itself and what it could do for humanity <laughs> moving forward oh, is I think um, it, it is a net positive. And yeah. I think it's it can be used as a solution for so many of the issues that we have in today's world. Um, but it may create a whole new set of issues that we need to uh, try and tackle in the coming years. Yeah, this is the thing with new technologies, isn't it? You know, there's there's obvious benefits to blockchain technology. It solves a number of problems. It improves a number of areas that aren't necessarily problematic, but can be enhanced with blockchain technology. And then it's going to have the pitfalls, the ways in which blockchain technology can be used and its benefits can be exploited for uh, reasons we don't currently know or any ways we haven't currently seen um but that's just part of the course i think we just have to accept that and try and react and, and keep moving forward because i think it's worthwhile I, I truly believe that nfts the future of nfts is intrinsically linked with the future and i i think that they will be integral to a number of industries maybe all industries who knows uh, and it's worth us wading through the the negatives and the ethical implications just to get there. Outro time. So I feel like I need to explain. If my audio sounded any different in the latter half of this podcast, <laughs> it's because I moved from a kitchen table to being under a duvet sat on the floor in my room in my f- in the family home. Uh, I am sweating like crazy. <laughs> um, so, sorry, it, just, a, just to jump in, uh, the duvet wasn't because you were suddenly frightened of the implications of NFTs, but rather because <laughs> it acts as a dampener for the uh, reverberation of your voice. Yeah, but like my room's incredibly echoey, you know, solid walls. So I have to have a duvet over my head to uh, to make the audio <laughs> quality at least somewhat good. But yeah, I am absolutely roasting right now. And it's a it's a proper like heavy winter duvet as well. So Ooh, um, I talk. Yeah, very high tog, and I'm feeling it. So I guess we should try and wrap this uh, podcast up before I pass out. Yeah, uh, let's go for it. Um, do you want to do your your uh, outros look much longer than mine because you have to list a, a load of things? <laughs> so, I list uh, about fifteen things. Yeah, you, you do okay. that. Yeah. Cool. So, uh, of course, if you want to check out the latest Wax NFT news, you can head to our website. That's nftinsider.io. Or you can follow us on social media at nftinsider underscore io on both Twitter and Instagram. Uh, I also stream at least twice a week on uh, twitch.tv forward slash hydropowered playing the latest NFT games. And you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram personally at hydropowered. Uh, Rob, over to you. Tokengamer.io. 
Is that the only one? <laughs> <laughs> no, I will actually add to that. So um, come tokengamer.io and read our lovely, lovely articles. Um, then on Twitter at uh, tokengamernews. And um, we are also looking for beta testers for our app, um, which is coming out soon. Um, we've just today applied to the app stores. It's going to have um, an NFT browser for your Wax NFTs and Wax uh, account analytics and news and lots of other bits and pieces that we're working on. But we do need some beta testers before we can put it live. So um, find me somehow and I will send you a link. Awesome. Yeah, I can't wait to see what that's all about. And uh, of course, uh, if you are listening to us on Apple Podcasts, uh, please do give us a, a five-star podcast review. Uh, and and leave us a comment. Uh, and if you do, then uh, maybe we'll say uh, whatever your question or your comment is uh, on the next episode of the podcast. Uh, but yeah, I think that uh, that wraps everything up quite nicely. We've done a yeah. somewhat okay outro for once. We're, we're, I was just about to say, we're even getting better at outros. I think we kind of ruined it a little bit with this end bit we've tacked on. With the review of our own outro, yeah. Um <laughs> But I can't, I, I'm literally sweating onto my mic at the moment. So. <laughs> okay, let's get you out from <laughs> under that. Um, yeah, please come back next week. <laughs> we'll see you guys next week. Bye.